eyes, it must be nice to have them Washingtons on your side. It must be nice, it must be nice to have everybody on your side. It must be nice, it must be nice to have them Washingtons by your side. It must be nice, it must be nice. Welcome in to episode five of Between the Yards. It's been a couple weeks since I've talked to you guys, but I had some things come up, but we're back at it. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about the beginning of the baseball season. I'm going to talk about uh, Terps transfer portal and and expectations for next year. Won't spend too much time on that, but we will touch on it. I'm going to talk about the Steph debate, Steph Curry debate. He's playing out of his mind right now, and I think we, we should definitely touch on that. And then we're going to wrap up with uh, GC's Gambling Corner. No picks, but uh, just some just some friendly tips. Help you guys kind of gamble uh, on your own, make your own educated decisions. You know, there's no perfect way. No one goes 100%. So I'm going to go through that and, and see if I can help you guys out. Again, make some high-quality decisions uh, when you're gambling. So, yeah, I mean, jumping right in, the baseball season, where we're about 15, 16 17 games in depending on you know uh where your team's played if you're the mets you've only played like 10 games but that's uh not their fault uh weather mother nature and covid have um torn their way through the mets season so far but either way um i I, i've loved it uh so far baseball's back and it's been great uh love fans in the building and the opening headline when you go to mlb.com uh it talks about four unlikely teams in first place. And I I would tend to agree. I mean, um, I don't think a lot of us saw some of these starts coming. Um, if you listen to my previous podcast, I talked about how bad the Red Sox would be. I talked about how the Seattle Mariners were still probably a year or two away. They're in first place. And then, you know, um, hit on some other things too. I thought, Atlanta would win the division. I thought St. Louis was far and away the best team in the Central. Um, you know, I, I'm not here to tell you that this is like a George was right and George is wrong um, segment, but you know, we're 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 a little over two and a half weeks into the season, and this is where we stand now. You know, of course, you can be happy or you can be pissed off about how your team has started and and how things are going, but at the end of the day. We can't overreact based on these starts. It happens all the time. Um, just a couple years ago, I think Seattle was what thirteen and two to start the season, and they finished in last place. Um, the two thousand five Orioles come to mind. They uh, were in first place uh, at the All Star break. Had multiple All Stars: Tejada, Brian Roberts, Melvin Mora, and look what happened to them. That was two and a half months into the season. Um, the Nationals, we all know what happened to them a couple years ago, 19 and 31 start, I believe it was, and they go on and they win your world series. So listen, a hot start or a slow start can certainly, you know, jumpstart or derail a season, but it's not the end all be all. I've been talking to a lot of my Red Sox friends and listen, they're going to give me, they're going to give me shit about, uh, what I said about the Red Sox on my preview podcast. And that's okay. Uh, they they reserve the right to do that, but the Red Sox are not as good as their eleven and six record. That's just how I feel. I don't think the Royals are as good as their their first place right now. I don't think that the Mariners' first place will hold. And, and I could be wrong, but that's just how I'm looking at some things. 
Cincinnati, the Reds, you know, they're in first place by half a game. Great. Great start for the Reds. Bats are hot. Probably like unprecedented hot. Now Castellanos is suspended and that's just complete horseshit. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, Manfred's still trying to take the fun out of baseball. Um, the Mets, you know, they had a rough start. They lost two DeGrom games, but they, they've been coming around. Now a series against the Rockies will help do that. But, you know, we've got a lot of things going on here. And, and again, you have to take a step back and you have to look at like, okay, what's real? What's not? Where do we go from here? We're 10% through the season, guys. Like I said, I get it. A hot start or a slow start, you know, it happens. But it's how the team adjusts throughout the year. That's why the 162-game season is so important. We talked about it last year. Everybody talked about it. How real is this 60-game season? Well, that's why we expanded playoffs. Because we wanted the cream to rise to the top. And, you know... For the most part, it did. We got Dodgers, we got the Rays. Your your you know the Rays were a great team last year. The Dodgers are obviously a great team year in and year out. So, you know, we expanded the playoffs and we found out who was for real. Now this year we get 162 games to validate, validate who's real, who's not. I think you'll see some changes. I don't think the Yankees are going to keep up their 33% winning percentage. I would love that, and they do look like a mess right now. But they're missing one of their key pieces of the lineup. They're missing Luke Voigt. You know, Stanton has struggled. A lot of these guys have struggled with strikeouts and not getting on base. DJ LeMayhew is not currently repeating his MVP form. I don't think that keeps up over 162 games. These guys are too good. Now that said, Kluber is not going to return to his Cy Young form. Jamison Tyon had a mod, a couple modest starts here and there. He goes again tonight, so we'll see how he looks. But, you know, I don't think the Yankees stay in last place. I don't think Boston stays in first place. Um, You know, I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day, and the point that I was making, Boston, as of right now, They have beaten one team who's over 500, the 9-8 and Tampa Bay Rays. Just one. Now, they've beaten teams like the Rays, the White Sox, the Twins, all of which you'd say, hey, George, they're not bad teams. No, you're right. But they're obviously not playing their best baseball. Otherwise, they wouldn't be at 500, just above 500 or below. So you take a look at some of these teams and and you just think, okay, great. Here's where we are. You know, uh, people are asking, are the Seattle Mariners for real after they beat the Dodgers last night? Hey, look, thing, anything can happen in one game. The Dodgers were just coming off an amazing series. And, and okay, they're 13-4 and four now. Boo-hoo. Like, they're due for some letdown games. Even the best team of all time, uh, as far as regular season goes, they won 116, so they still you know, lost almost 50 games. So the Dodgers are going to lose. Justice Sheffield, people forget, by the way, um, he was the number one pitching prospect in baseball for a while. 
He did pretty well last night when he went up against Dustin May. So, again, take a look at this stuff as a snapshot of what's going on. You know, the the Cubs, now the Cubs, I think the Cubs are bad. Like, you, there are some things that are for real, and I think there are some things that are not real here. I don't think that the Nationals, getting, you know, around to the hometown teams, I don't think that the Nationals will keep up this. I think that, that Patrick Corbin, you know, I think he figures it out. Strasburg has been hurt. Joe Ross uh, looked really good in two starts, and then and then last night he kind of blew up. So, uh, you know, you're going to have these peaks and valleys. It's the beauty of baseball. It's the beauty of this game. The Nats had the COVID thing too, the COVID start. So they're without half of their lineup and half the guys they brought in in the offseason. Josh Bell's had a slow start, and last year – was kind of similar as a whole. So we'll see if Josh Bell can can pick it up. But like I said, don't put too much stake in the beginning of the season. Enjoy it. Watch it. Root, 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 root for your home teams. But, you know, again, you've got a majority of teams sitting within like one or two games of 500 either way. We've got a long way to go, guys. We've got a long way to go. The Orioles are sitting at seven and nine, and I'm happy with that start. Truthfully, I mean, of course, you want to see a winning ball club being put out there, but you look at some things, and I'm I'm looking for positives. John Means absolutely dealing right now. Cedric Mullins has cooled off, but with that great start, you hope he can keep it going. Making that switch to lefty has been phenomenal for him. And then you look at the other side too. Trey Mancini, he's hit a few home runs. Great story again. Um, had a double the other night against Texas, but he's struggling at the plate. He's hitting into way too many ground, uh, grounding into way too many double plays. Mountcastle is struggling with strikeouts. The entire team struggling with strikeouts. As far as I'm concerned, it's awful. I think we're the first team ever. Um, I forget the stat. It was like first team ever to have 13 strikeouts in five consecutive games. I think that's awful. That cannot happen. We talk about the strikeout problems for the Yankees, but like that's terrible. That's that, that's historically bad. So you look at things like that too. You know, can the Orioles keep up a 43% winning percentage throughout the year? I don't know. Personally, I don't think so with the way they're playing. They get nine shutout innings the other day against Texas, and we lose the game because we couldn't scratch across a run. Freddie Galvis is a terrible shortstop. Awful, awful pick. I, I was, I, I would imagine Mike Elias thought that this, was, this would be a lot like a uh, Jose Iglesias situation, like a pump and dump, like, you know, have him have, him have a good half a year and, and send him off the deadline, but that is not the case. That is not the case at all. So here we are. And, you know, we're moving forward. We're going to keep going. Um, Hopefully, again, like I said, I tweeted this the other night. Um, Some results are coming back from the alternate training site, and I just look at some prospects that I'm like, they've been in the system for years. Let's get them up here. Freddie Galvis is a waste of space. I look at the Orioles every day, and I say, who is going to be part of this team when we are good? You look at guys like Mountcastle. You look at guys like Mancini, a Rio Ruiz, a Freddie Galvis, no. The plethora of outfielders, yeah, but now you just have to figure out which ones because 
you know, with, with Hayes is coming back tonight, and and with that, you're going to have one of five outfielders on the bench at all times. You figure one DH is three in the outfield, and one's going to be on the bench. So that's what that's what's to take out. You know, like I said, I, I've been going back and forth, and the Red Sox are are forefront um, of my mind right now because that's who I've been talking about. But I think it stands for the Kansas Cities of the world. They have no pitching. They have no pitching. Danny Duffy is probably their best pitcher, and he's been pitching very well. Brady Singer is a hot prospect or was a hot prospect. Um, decent at best, but they've got a hell of a lineup, as I touched on in the last podcast. The White Sox have been Jekyll and Hyde. Cleveland, pitching is good. Pitching is good, uh, as we expected. And then the bats are, are suspect. I don't think that Seattle maintains what they're doing. The Angels are playing well. Oakland has won six or seven in a row. Even Texas is eight and nine. Houston's dealing with some COVID problems. I mean, you look at this division, and and if Seattle stays relevant around 500, if the Angels live up to their potential and Oakland and Houston play how we think they should play, is this the best division in the AL? Truthfully, I mean, you look at it. The Twins' bats are not what they've been. The Twins' pitching isn't what it's been. So, I don't know. I, I think that might be the case. Like I said, I don't think Seattle sits atop this division all year. But I think the AL West might be hotly contested. Kind of like how we think the NL East is going to be hotly contested. And I think it still will be. Like I said before, Washington... You know, hopefully they hit their stride here soon. The Braves, uh, everybody's hurt. Acuna, Ozzy Albies, um, you've got uh, Soroka still on the shelf. Kristen Pache, he uh, he got hurt. So, I mean, Atlanta will be fine. Miami's going to be pesky. I, I disrespected them on the baseball preview prod- podcast. They got some bats. They've got some guys. They're going to be pesky. They They won't compete due to their pitching as well but um Aaron Nola uh he's he's phenomenal threw a complete game shutout the other day way to go shout out um I mean if he can keep that up the bullpens looked good the Mets are looking really good as well so again NL East is still the best division in baseball in my opinion but um it's going to be fun to watch this stuff as it as it unfolds Listen, like I said, you're going to see a lot of things going up and down here in the next week or two. Most teams are, as I said, a game or two within 500 one way or the other. So, listen, be a fan of your teams. I appreciate that. I'm going to keep being a fan of my team, and I'm going to stick by my opinions as of right now. You want to prove me wrong? Okay. Martin Perez, you want to put together a Cy Young you know, campaign? Okay. Eddie Rodriguez, you want to put together an all-star campaign for the Red Sox? Like I said, I just think the pitching is the problem in Boston. I don't think they can keep this up. They're hitting the cover off the baseball right now. I will admit that. But I don't think the pitching can hold up throughout a full season. I just don't. And again, I'm using the Red Sox as an example. Cincinnati is the same way. Seattle is the same way. Kansas City, the same way. This won't last. Happens every year. Overreaction midway through April. Last I checked, the World Series isn't played in May, guys. 
now that said, we've gotten some, we've had some really, really great things going on um, in baseball this year. Dodgers Padres. Are you kidding me? Did you guys watch that series? Amazing baseball. This is what we want. Rob Manfred, I hope you're taking notes. This is what we want night in and night out. Yes, that's that it, it, it is that they, they are far and away the two best teams in Major League Baseball right now. I, I, that is how I feel that I'm saying that it's Dodgers one, Padres two. So the talent level certainly has something to do with it. But that, you know, you had extra innings, you had home runs, you had comeback baseball, you had great pitching. The benches cleared once, almost cleared again with Kershaw and Profar and the catcher's interference. This is what we want. Let the boys play. Tatis, Machado, Bellinger, Betts. Bellinger didn't play, sorry. Justin Turner, Corey Seager. It was mano imano that whole series. The only thing we didn't get was um, uh, in the first game... It was Bueller versus uh, the bullpen for the Padres, but like the game was still phenomenal. Then you get Kershaw versus Darvish, and then you get Snell versus Bauer. Are you kidding me? Give me that all day of the week, every week. Give me that all the time. We need to watch these guys play 15 more times, guys. 16, I believe. I think they play 19 times this year. That's going to be fun to watch all year long. But give me more of that. Give me the fire. That's that's why people love watching Yankees-Red Sox. That's why they love watching uh, the rivalries in baseball. It's great. It's amazing. You've also had your, your, your surprises, as we always do. Um... Something came out today that said your mean Mercedes is in the MVP race. Hey, way to go, your mean. Awesome, dude. Hitting the cover off the baseball right now. Part of that White Sox lineup that can mash. Absolutely mash. I think they're missing some bats from last year after watching them a few times. They're not driving in runs the way they did last year. Choking a little bit with runners in scoring position. But, um, hey, man, keep doing your thing, your mean. Uh, Akil Badu. Also, also doing really great things. Um, there's Shohei, Shohei Otani mania right now. I love watching that dude play. He's extremely talented, I would agree. He started to cool off a little bit too, so you're not hearing it as much. I think he's uh, he's actually going on the bump tonight, so I'll be tuning into that. That's going to be uh, super fun to watch. Um, yeah, but, you know, you get these guys. Cedric Mullins was a surprise, is a surprise as well. Doing really well. So, you know, again, we're two weeks in. It's a long season, guys, but but I couldn't be more excited about it. I think up until Sunday night, Acuna was your front runner for NL MVP. Dude is absolutely mashing, playing his heart out. That's also the kind of stuff that we want to see. I know that this is a Baltimore and D.C. podcast, and the Braves are kind of forsaken around here, but, I mean – how do you not like Acuna? Like a lot of people, they get they get on the the the, uh, the soapbox of of oh, the bat flips, the chains, the flashy elbow guard, the the yellow gloves, the whatever. 
He's young. He's jumping over the fence in the dugout. Who cares? He loves the game. And he's really good at it. He ran out a routine ground ball. I'm sure you guys have all seen it by now. He scored on a shallow fly ball just because he got a good takeoff. He loves the game. He plays it hard. We need more guys like him. I. We need guys like Soto. We need guys like Trout. Tatis, Machado, Bellingers, the Seegers. I love these guys. Give me more. Give me more. It's awesome, guys. It's awesome. Now, a couple things I do want to touch on um, as far as not my complaints, just some observations. Um, extra innings, like it has, it certainly speeds up the game, but I'm appalled at the lack of, of, of times, like the percentage, I guess, I guess I should say that that guy scores from second. Like you guys are major league hitters, hit it to the right side and then put the ball in play, sack fly, hit it hard somewhere. That guy should be getting in every time. Like, and I and I only say that because if I if I were a manager, I'd be bunting. But apparently, bunting is like, don't do it. I, I don't know. I don't get it. I know it's the analytics thing, but like, no outs guy at second tie game. I'm, I need to move that guy over. Give me two chances from third with one out. I mean, okay, okay. Also, like. Too many guys getting thrown out at home in these scenarios. Just or in scenarios in general. Like, again, you're major league ball players. Base running is a fundamental part of of the game. Like, it's a it's a rule. Hard hit ball to the infield, you freeze. Especially when the infield's in. You freeze till it gets through. Especially and then, you know, if it's hit to the corners, you definitely freeze. But that's fundamental baseball. And you got guys just going on contact, getting hosed at the plate. And then that attributes to the problem of, of not being able to score in extra innings, which is kind of wild to me. Um, that's just fundamental stuff. That's Little League stuff, guys. That's, uh, you know, if that guy gets to third, less than two outs, you're seeing more teams bring in the infield. I don't know if it's like an analytics thing to go on contact. I don't know. You got a Cunha, you've got Albies, you've got a Billy Hamilton, a Harrison Bader, maybe even a Cedric Mullins on third. Okay. I, I, I can see maybe going, but get a good secondary lead. Even so, I don't know. Freeze, stay at third. One out. Give me another chance with two down. I don't know what's going on there, but Somebody's got to talk to these guys. Uh, and it's happening like league wide. It's not like a one team, two team thing. Like guys are getting hosed at the plate on ground balls to shallow infields. I, I don't really understand it. So uh, it's very interesting. Um, another thing is, is baseball replay. And, and this happened obviously two weeks ago on Sunday night baseball, but the, the call where Baum Alex Alec Baum clearly did not touch the plate. You can't get that wrong twice. There are some replay happens at least once a game now. And if they get it right, it's good for the game. Yeah, I can kick back. I can put my feet up. 
I can I can wait for a replay, but just get it right. There are certainly times when it takes way too long to make a decision, but like at the end of the day, if you get it right, I'll be more okay with it. So that's why we have it, right? That's why we have replay. If you continuously get it wrong after replay, you're going to have people calling to get rid of replay. It's there for a reason. Get it right. I also don't know if uh, the call on the field should be relayed up to, I don't know, the ump in the sky, the ump in New York. I don't I don't know where he is or, or who's who's making the decisions on the replay, but like don't relay the call on the field. Let him make a decision based on what he sees in slow motion. I think too many times that call on the field, is it conclusive, is it not? I think you, at that point with replay, you trust your eyes. That was the big thing with the with the Alec Baum thing. Like, oh, he was called safe on the field. Ah, okay. But, like, clear as day, there was outrage about that afterwards. Go with your gut. When, what, go with your gut on the field. If it's got to go to replay, send it to the ump in the sky. Don't tell him to call on the field. And then go with your gut from that slow motion replay. That's my, uh, that's my two cents. And then, yeah, I mean, um, pitching is it pitching has been really fun to watch too. There's a lot of guys, uh, you know, there's pitchers versus throwers in this league. Now hitting has gotten a lot better as well because you know, you're taking pitches, you're swinging at stuff that matters, but the pitching versus throwing thing is, is really tough. Like the, the guys that throw 99 but can't control it, I hate it, but they're in the league for it. That, that's what happens. Some guys just throw with a weird arm slot. There's a guy on the Giants who throws like kind of submarine sidearm and has like a rising slider. Wild to watch. Uh, the kid on the Padres, Hill, he got knocked around his second inning of that extra innings game uh, against the Dodgers. But like that arm slot, slinging 92-93, he's going to be in the league for a long time too. But – yeah, there, there, there are pitchers and there are throwers. And then there's the, the really good guys. Um, people talk a lot about how, like, the pitchers aren't going as long. And I think I, I touched on it just now. But, like, guys are taking more pitches. We see Tommy John more than ever, obviously. So, like, you do want to preserve your pitchers. Even guys like Jack Flaherty sometimes don't make it out of, like, the fifth inning. But that happens with the talent level in the league. But then you have a guy like... You know, Joe Musgrove the other day, last night, I believe, I think he went eight innings in a game that he lost, actually. De- it definitely went seven, maybe went eight. Aaron Nola pitched a complete game shutout. We've seen two hitter, two no-hitters, Joe Musgrove and Carlos Rodon. John Means has gone seven innings twice. So, yeah, some are household names. Some aren't. And that's okay. The talent level in this league is so high. Let's start talking about the people that do go long rather than talking about, ah, pitchers don't go long anymore. It's because hitting's gotten better, guys. Hitting has gotten better. It happens. Lucas Giolito is one of the best pitchers in the league, and he got smacked around on Patriots Day in Boston yesterday. It happens. Let's talk about the guys that do go long. Let's keep it at that. I mean, hey... 
I'm also still going to watch a Blake Snell outing every time, and he's going to go five innings because he throws a lot of waste pitches to try to get the strikeout. He's a strikeout pitcher. He's going to throw a lot of pitches. Then he turns it over to the bullpen. That's okay. Guy like Joe Musgrove, turns out he's going to pound the strike zone, and if he doesn't get knocked around, he's going to stay in the game. You Darvish. Guys like that. Dustin May throws an absolute gas, but I think he's been out of games before the sixth inning in all of his starts so far. So you got to look at throwers versus pitchers, and you've got to evaluate what's going on. It's just kind of how the game is. The throwers, you know, Dustin May's a thrower right now. I think that, 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 Blake Snell is a pitcher, and neither one of them can get out because of their different styles. Yes, it's a new normal, but like the seven, eight, nine innings, it still happens. But, you know, managers aren't going to leave guys in, analytics, the whole thing. It's one of those conundrums of like new baseball, but I'm still going to appreciate good pitching. So I, I think we all should. Like, guy goes, has one bad outing. It's not. Pitchers never go that long anymore. It's just he had a bad outing or he threw a lot of pitches. Go get him next time. Go get him next time. Happens. Just the world we're living in now. You're not going to have guys throwing 130 pitches going eight innings just because after they give up five runs. It's not like that anymore. So, yeah, but that's been uh, my baseball uh, first two weeks thoughts, recaps, initial thoughts, I guess you could call it. So, uh, yeah, I'll be uh, be right back with jumping into uh, some Terps basketball. So jumping to the Terps, um, it's been a few weeks since the national championship game, obviously, uh, where Baylor worked Gonzaga, uh, much to a lot of people's surprise, uh, including mine. And the uh, but the transfer portal has been fast and furious, uh, and the Terps have been making moves. Turgeon got extended um, right when it looked like he might leave for a Midwest job, but I guess he didn't get them or the uh, the administration is taking a leaf of faith with Turgeon, extending him for a couple of years. From what I understand, it's a low-risk, high-reward type of situation. Um, but Turgeon's gone to work, and he's gotten three recruits. Fats Russell from Rhode Island, the point guard, uh, filling a major hole that we had last year. And then he brought in Caduce Wahab from Georgetown, the big man. Um, and then just on Tuesday, they uh, brought in Ian Martinez, a shooting guard from Utah. And I've got it on. Uh, I was reading that he only went to Utah. Uh, he was a, a top 10 shooting guard coming out last year. And the only reason he went to Utah was – uh, the assistant coach was a family friend. Uh, Utah's head coach gets fired, whole staff leaves, so uh, Martinez enters the transfer portal. Um, Utah's not happy about losing him, so uh, it's pretty exciting, uh, some of the stuff that's going on with the Terps. Uh, Fats Russell was an all-A-10 player. Uh, Wahab was uh, all-Big East, and yeah, um, we, we might lose some guys to the draft. Wiggins, Ayala, and Marcel. Marcel was a senior anyway, and I expected to lose him, but he entered the draft portal or the draft while maintaining his eligibility and entered the transfer portal. 
Uh, I think Marcel would be the first guy to leave as a grad transfer in quite some time, as, like definitely as long as I can remember, especially a guy that's beloved like him. But he hasn't ruled out coming back to Maryland either. Wiggins is probably the most likely to go, but he's going to test out the combine process and the whole thing. But uh, sounds like if he doesn't like it, he's going to be coming back to Maryland as well. And truth be told, I, I don't see Ayala as a – Big-time NBA prospect, but I could see the guys um, maybe leaving, playing overseas, doing something of that nature. But we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm very excited uh, to see the Terps next year, especially with Martinez coming in now, too. Gives you another shooter on the outside. Worst case, he's a spark plug off the bench. Best case, he cracks the starting lineup, especially if Wiggins or Ayala leave. But uh, the Terps are all of a sudden loaded, guys. So look out. I mean. There's a lot of uh, way too early top tens, putting us top five. I think the lowest I've seen us is like number seven, and that's with John Rothstein. So, I mean, the, the last time we were ranked this high was the Diamond Stone year with uh, Robert Carter, uh, Jake Lehman, Rashid Suleiman, and Melo Trimble. And we made it to the Sweet 16 as a four seed, and we got bounced by Kansas. I mean... I don't know. Fats can take over the point guard. He doesn't have to be the primary scorer. So if he can just play point guard, we've now got the big man presence. Chol uh, transferred and he left and went to Oregon State. Good riddance. Uh, good. Best of luck to you, Chol. I hope you turn it around. But it wasn't going to happen here in College Park. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for the Terps. I mean, they're they're doing the thing where they've got me sucked in again, as they always do. They should be really, really good next year. So stay tuned. Keep your eyes on on uh, on everything else. I mean, James Graham, the freshman uh, who was kind of like year zero, who's 17 years old, um, he's entering like quote-unquote year one. He tweeted that. And then uh, Julian Reese is coming in from St. Saint, uh, John's or St. Paul's, I believe, in Baltimore. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be exciting. I, I think the Terps – could be one of the deepest teams in the Big Ten. I think the biggest challenge for Turgeon is going to be how to rotate these guys in and out. What are your rotations going to look like? Um, especially if Wiggins and Ayala come back. And if Morcel comes back, I don't know. At that point, I think we've got too many guys. Uh, so that'll be the biggest coaching challenge for Turgeon. I'm interested to see how he handles it, but too much talent is usually a good thing. So, I mean... That's uh, my quick stop on the Terps. I mean, I'm pumped. I, I I think that it's definitely the thing. A lot of people complain about the transfer portal, but I mean, for a guy like Turgeon, whose recruiting class maybe wasn't as good as you'd like it to see, like to see it last year and this year, he has certainly made up for it in the transfer portal. Um, and hey, look, I will always root for the Terps. And I want Turgeon to do well. Was I hoping that he was going to leave? Yes. Yes, I was. And I was, uh, you know, I'm frustrated. I thought that there were some good young candidates out there. Some people might disagree with me, and that's okay. Give me Turgeon. Uh, give me these young guys or the, the, the transfers in. They should... You know, we're going to have the senior leadership again as long as Wiggins and Ayala come back. 
Dante Scott can take that next step. Hakeem Hart can take that next step. Uh, Turgeon brought in his old buddy from Kansas, Danny Manning, as an assistant. He just lost his job at Wake Forest. So, I mean, the Terps are things are looking up for the Terps. I again, like I said, I'm always going to root for the Terps. I've been a big Turgeon basher, but you will see no one cheer as loudly as me if if they make a run in the tournament. I promise you that. I will take it all back from Turgeon if we make that run. Yes, all is forgiven, and and and, and you know that happens. That's that's fandom. You know what I mean? You win. You take some things back. Like I said, I've been I've I've been a Turgeon basher. Now go prove me wrong, Turge. Go prove me wrong. But that's what I got on the Terps. Barring any news, I think that might be it for me uh, up until basketball season comes again. But I don't know. It's like every uh, every so often we're getting more Terps news. So uh, like I said, I'm pumped. I already can't wait for next college basketball season. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be great. Uh, kind of transitioning here and jumping into the NBA, uh, the Wizards are hot. The Wizards have dropped uh, or have, have won six straight, I should say. And all of a sudden they're looking at a play-in game. Uh, I definitely expected them to be better than 10th right now. I thought before when they were getting hot, they were going to be doing really well. Turns out they fell flat on their face for a little bit. Had some injury problems. Uh, I think Denny broke his leg actually last night, which is pretty terrible. But I did read that he doesn't need surgery, which is huge. Uh, Russ is playing point guard. He's playing well in the fourth quarter. Beal is still dominating. Um, And last night we held Steph Curry in check after the heater that he's been on. Uh, Again, absolutely insane. I think that they're sitting around the same spot the Wizards are in the standings in the West. But Steph Curry has been on an absolute tear. I mean, it's unprecedented. Like, we saw him hit 10 three-pointers in a week-long span, uh, I think four times. And Clay is second all-time with 10 three-pointers in a game, and he's done it four times in his entire career. Steph Curry's on another level, and and – it's been a big debate this week, mostly earlier this week, but I mean, where is he, you know, all time as far as like your greatest of all time? I don't think anybody's got him number one, right? But he's far and away the best scorer ever. Like three point percentage, he's going to break the records for, you know, that Ray Allen's got for three pointers, and he's not that far away, and he's only 33. Like he changed the game. And whether you like it or not, you know, the, the shooting, the analytics of it, the whole nine. I mean, he's changed the game. Everybody wants to be like Steph now. You got kids going in the gym and jacking up threes. Every big man has to have a shot now. You hear it all the time. Ben Simmons catches so much shit because he doesn't have a shot. And like, it used to just be like, oh, Ben Simmons just can't shoot. He's still a great basketball player. Now, can you be a great basketball player if you can't shoot in today's game? I would argue yes. Uh, I think that you can. But I I don't think that you're as highly regarded. I mean, you look, like I said, there there have been all these uh these debates going around. I would say that that Steph is certainly up there. I think you've got to give him top 10 in basketball. What's it about? 
getting buckets, scoring points, and he's been one of the best over the last 10-plus years. Regular season MVP, I don't believe he has a finals MVP, but they've won the finals multiple times. Best regular season record of all time as the best player on that team. I mean, you look at it and, like, he is the best shooter, the best pure shooter. You look at a couple, you know, other things in basketball, you don't really have, like, a far and away best ever. Kareem was great all around, and he's the number one, you know, point getter in NBA history. But if I had to look at Kareem, I'd say he had the best hook shot ever, right? Undisputed. You could say uh, Hakeem has the best post game ever. I would say that's that's up there. You know, Dikembe Mutombo, best shot blocker. Michael Jordan, the best closer. Uh, you know, LeBron and and people are obviously will argue this, but he is probably your best all around basketball player that can do everything. So you've got your best of everything, but Steph is the best shooter, and that you can't you can't debate that. It's just not if you go with anybody else, it's just not true. I mean, like what's the thing they they say uh, often imitated, never replicated? I think that's it. Like no one will shoot the basketball like Steph ever. I think. I, I mean. You, you look at a couple guys in the league right now, you've got Clay, but Clay hasn't played in two years. KD's a great shooter too, but like better than Steph? I, I don't know. I don't know. Dame is great from three-point land as well, but he's got a ways to go to catch up to Steph. Like no one's hitting threes the rate that Steph is from the distance he's hitting them at. I just think that he is the best shooter ever. And I think that takes him up into like top 10 category of best basketball players of all time because it's about getting buckets. Like Kobe's not in that discussion as much as we all love Kobe, rest in peace. But like he's the perfect example of often imitated, never replicated as far as like Michael Jordan goes. Like Michael Jordan, like Kobe tried to imitate everything Michael Jordan did. And I don't think anybody listening to this podcast would say that he did it better. Almost like, you know, clones or twins. He modeled his game after him, played defense. He did the whole nine. But like, and if that's the case, I don't think that Kobe can crack your crack your top 10 because he wasn't the best at, at one particular thing. Like Mamba mentality was adapted from Michael Jordan. So, yeah, I, I I mean, we're going to talk about it for a long time. Steph is by no means done, obviously. And he's got a long way to go. He's going to keep doing his thing. I'm very happy the Wizards kept him in check last night. Um, like, odds makers and things. I kept seeing stuff, you know, like Steph mania, the whole thing. Everything they were trying to, like, figure out, make his three-point props, his points total props. Like, he's, he's he's he was on another level for a solid week and a half. Absolute tear. Maybe he's getting a little bit tired at the end of a long road trip last night. I don't know, but maybe the Wizards got lucky. But, hey, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. 
Uh, I got the v- fingers crossed that the Wizards um, can make a run at the division. I mean, they've got 14 games left. They're six and a half games back. And uh, the Hawks just lost Trey Young last night. The uh, the Hornets are all banged up. And then the Heat have like a, have a really terrible record against um, – Teams with a winning per, uh, a winning um, a winning percentage over five hundred. Uh, I don't have that exact number on me, but look it up. Um, I don't think the Wizards are out of it. They, they have to stay absolutely red hot and hope for a lot of help. But I don't know. Uh, they might be able to sneak in. That that would be ideal. Fingers crossed. But at the very least, I think they should be in a play-in game. So we'll get some sort of. Uh, high stakes playoff basketball in DC, which will be great. So it's a, it's a good time to to be a basketball fan. The NBA's uh, been been really great so far this year, and I'm looking forward to the finish and the playoff push. So hopefully they keep it going. Like I said, fingers crossed. They've got a few more bad teams to kind of beat up on here. Hopefully they don't forget how to win. And yeah, so. Like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say like Steph's the best ever. I'm not going to give you like my my top 10 cuz quite frankly, it's very hard to give you a top 10 of of basketball players in order. So, but I I just don't think that you can take away that he is the best shooter ever. Far and away, and he's changed the game for for good or for bad, whether you like it or not, the way the basketball is going, that's just how it is. So, yeah, um NBA should be fun, fun, fun. Should have a fun finish. We'll see what happens down the stretch, and and I think it'll be a good playoff run too. Hopefully the hopefully the Warriors uh, stay where they are, stay where they are, so we get more of Steph too. So, um, yeah, stay with us. I'm gonna hop into the gambling corner here uh, in just a minute. Okay, welcome into GC's Gambling Corner. So this is going to be a segment where I'm going to do, and I'm going to give you guys um, some tips to bet. I'm not going to give you guys picks. Um, basically, the goal of this is to give you guys some information where you can make your own educated decisions on gambling. A lot of times when people are looking at, at, at things, they look at, uh, okay, so who has you know what have what have teams done late uh, lately? What have teams done uh, recently? Their last ten matchups, their last you know five matchups. Um, they look at good versus bad. Naturally, they look at record. They look at uh, and then if you want to split things out, maybe you look at if a team's good at home, good away, um, and, and all of that's great. Um, but there are some things in the gambling world that they call uh, predictive indicators. So uh, with it being baseball season, obviously, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that I use, that I do when I'm looking at a baseball game uh, and trying to figure out who to bet on or um, who's got value in a matchup or or things that make you maybe want to stay away from something. Um, so, for example... Uh, I, I look at the first thing I go to if I want to look at a baseball game. I go to matchups for that day. Now, you know, uh, just because the the Cubs uh, have been smacking around the Mets, it might not mean that they'll do the same today based on starting pitching. Starting pitching is a huge indicator of who's going to win the game. Obviously, if you've got a starter that goes five, six, seven innings and they do really well. 
obviously their team has a better chance of winning. Now, maybe the Cubs were a bad example because, like I said, I look at matchups. So the batters that are going to face the starting pitcher and, and their history, a lot of times you, you might have some guys that have hardly faced a pitcher, and that's okay, but this is a good piece to use if guys have seen a pitcher before. Um, this is a really extreme example and, uh, it's kind of nuts. I, I, um, I'm looking at it and the Cubs lineup, they hit really well off of the Mets starter tonight, Joey Lucchesi, Lucchesi, uh, forgive me if I'm butchering that name, but, um, as a whole, they hit at a 652 clip, uh, 15 hits, on 23 at-bats with seven extra base hits. The real predictive indicator here, though, is OPS, on-base plus slugging percentage. If you're not familiar with that, look it up. It's it's rather simple. So you have your batting average, you have your on-base percentage, you have your slugging percentage. Slugging percentage is essentially like batting average, except for every hit, it takes into account how many bases you got on that hit. So instead of uh, all hits being one. Now, if you hit a single, it's one, a double, it's two, and so on and so forth with the same amount of at-bats. On base plus slugging percentage obviously talks about how many guys are getting on base and how hard are we hitting this guy. So the, the OPS for the Cubs tonight against Lucchesi historically is is uh, 1.81, and that's like astronomically through the roof. Um so, obviously, I'm going to take a look at the Cubs tonight. I think the Cubs are going to win this game. I think they're going to win it handily. I do, you know, looking across, uh, Trevor Williams, it's pitching for the Cubs. He doesn't have such a, a good matchup against the Mets either. They hit him pretty well. Numbers are down to earth a little bit. They hit him for a 302 average, and the OPS is at 958. So, looking at that, Maybe you don't want to take the Cubs. Maybe you want to take the over. That's just something to think about. You know, like I said, always look deeper into some of this stuff. Some people might want to take the Mets because the Cubs had been struggling at the plate. However, these larger sets of data against the pitchers that they're facing are more relevant than what they've done the rest of this year, theoretically. Yes, you go into slumps. Yes, you you um, are not hot or you are hot, whatever the case may be. But this is a really good starting point for baseball. Um, Like I said, it's not always going to be – there's not always going to be the sample size that you want. There's not always going to be the numbers that you want. Some guys are are not going to face – have never faced a pitcher before. You Typically, that that plays in the favor of the pitcher, but not always. But – Again, it's it's something where I start if I'm looking to bet baseball. The numbers shouldn't fail you more often than not. Like I said, if you get on the starting pitcher early or if the starting pitcher does really well through five, six innings, that obviously gives that team a better chance to win. So it's something that I would look at. Uh, one, uh, a couple other examples, uh, just um, – you know, how do hitters fare righty versus lefty? How do certain hitters fare, uh, like I said, against the pitching matchup? One thing 
that I noticed last week was that the big bats in San Diego, Machado, Tatis, and Hosmer, they hit, I think it's like a combined 365 off of Trevor Bauer, something something to that effect. It's pretty high, and they do really well against Bauer. Machado specifically, I think Machado's up over close to 500, if not over 500 against Trevor Bauer. So like, when you're looking at these things, these are obviously predictive indicators. Now, that said, Tatis was cold, and I think he, he did pretty bad that game on Sunday, but Machado had... Uh, two hits, two or three hits before Bauer came out of the game. Hosmer did pretty well. They, the game was tied two to two, um, going into the bullpens, I believe, and then, then the Padres did end up pulling the game out. So it's not the end all be all, but like I said, it it is a good starting point. If there were some guys on base ahead of Machado against Bauer, he could have driven them in there because he does so well against Bauer. So. You know, things like that. Um, I looked at a, no- a couple numbers the other day. Mitch Moreland hits, uh, he rakes off of, uh, I believe it's Matt Schumach- Schumacher from uh, the Twins. And I was just looking and, and uh, in the morning, and then lo and behold, Mitch Moreland hits two home runs against Schumacher in the game. So the, the, the A's went on to win that game. Obviously, if you have somebody hit two home runs, it's pretty good. And again, that's an anomaly, but it, they're just examples of things that can help. Historically, certain guys are bad. Um, again, you know, lineups that are bad against starting pitchers, it happens. For example, another example from Dodgers-Padres uh, last weekend. Before that game, you uh, the Dodgers lineup was a combined, I believe it was... Uh, 087 batting average against you Darvish. Now that said, Kershaw outdueled him. Padres numbers against Kershaw, I think they're a little bit up and down, but um depends on how you looked at that game. You could have taken Padres to win, or you could have taken the under because you thought that uh Darvish would hold the Dodgers in check. So and that would have worked out for you. So take a look at some of these things when you're going to bet a game. My my best advice to anybody is don't bet blindly. Um, look at something. Don't just look at the records because you never know. Um, try to find something. And a lot of this stuff is very easily found on Google. If you just Google um, batter versus pitcher stats, there's a ton of things that come up. Find the best website that works for you and, and go go for it. Run run from there. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys take a look at this stuff. Hopefully you guys make some money. Uh, baseball, they say, is one of the easier sports to make money in. I don't know. It's all gambling. It's all pretty difficult. I think it's all they're all professional uh, ball players uh, as far as all the sports go. But you know, hey, it's something to take a look at. Uh, like I said, and it's something to consider. So feel free to take a look at this. And yeah, like I said, hopefully you guys make some money off of it. And that's the show, guys. Uh, thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. All as always. Um, like I said at the beginning. This was um, a few weeks, uh, a few weeks coming. Uh, I, I know I took a little bit of a break. Content has slowed down a bit, uh, but I am one guy. I'm doing it for fun. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoy listening too uh, and enjoy reading. That said, um, please let me know. Tweet at me, like I said uh, before on earlier shows. Tweet at me, text me, um, comment. You know, whatever the case may be, on what you'd like to see more of. Um, 
obviously I'm just going to continue to give my opinions on things and, and hopefully you guys seem to care about them. So that's pretty much it. Uh, one thing to note, uh, all my baseball stuff was from Tuesday. Uh, everything else was recorded on Thursday, the 22nd. So some of the stuff of baseball might be a little bit, um, outdated. That said, um, the Reds do in fact stink. Uh, I was talking about how a lot of the first place teams wouldn't last. Uh, the Reds do in fact stink. The Cubs bats have heated up. So a couple of things that I remember from when I recorded on Tuesday, but, uh, yeah, the Reds bats, but their bullpen blows it late. Um, so just some things, uh, uh, like I said, to stay patient for on the baseball season. But like I said, that's my show. Thanks for listening, and uh, I will talk to you guys soon. Washington's on your side It must be nice It must be nice To have everybody on your side It must be nice It must be nice To have them Washington's by your side It must be nice It must be nice